Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. So today's message is, um, man, it's a little bit different than other messages that we've had in this series. And I hope you'll just focus throughout and not get any, um, you know, uh, opinions about it until the end. So you see where I'm going with it. It's, this is kind of the kind of message that when uh, a pastor gets up and preaches it, um, people can get a little cynical sometimes. So I'm just asking, and I'm, we're going to pray in just a moment uh, before we jump in. Uh, I'm going to pray that God will keep all of our hearts open to this. Because it's probably not going to go the direction you think it's going to go when a pastor gets up and talks about this certain subject in this next level series. So let's pray, ask God to bless, we'll jump in, we'll be dismissed in just a little bit, and uh, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do with this message through His Word. Father God, we love You, we thank You, thank You for the visitors that are here today, Lord, for our church family that's here today, thank You for the great worship we've had so far, I hope it was a sweet sound to your ears, and that You were honored and glorified in our worship, help us to worship You continually in spirit and in truth. We know that our worship doesn't, isn't just limited to 20 minutes on a Sunday morning, but it's our lives, God. So help us to worship you day after day, moment after moment, and give our lives to you and live our lives for you. Bless this message, God. Please help it to speak to hearts. Uh, it's an important part. It's in the Bible. This is Bible truth. And Lord, uh, please help it to speak to hearts. Uh, keep us safe from distraction. And God, use me as I preach. Give me your power and the words to say. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. I speak the name of Jesus over this church this morning and over these people. Uh, bless the message and bless your word as it's preached. In your precious name we pray and ask for all these things. Amen. You see it in the little boy that doesn't want to share his toys. You see it in the co-worker, the employee, who on his lunch break goes to the fridge and realizes that his lunch has been taken by somebody else. My wife, I think, has lost two lunch boxes at work so far, right? Amazing. You see it in the driver who won't let the guy next to him merge over. You see it in the husband <laughs> who won't share his fries when his wife says, hey, can I have one of those? Like, hey, I thought you were going to get your own stuff, you know? Hey. You see it in the parent who lies about his ice cream, you know? Oh, I want a bite. No, this is, this is my medicine, son. Like, you can't have this. And more seriously, you see it in adult children fighting over their deceased parents' belongings. You've seen those stories or heard about those stories. Maybe you've even been a part of one of those stories. Parents pass away. It's an awful thing. And then suddenly everything they have, the kids are fighting over it. You see it in spouses fighting about uh, money in their marriage or in their, in their family or even the lack of it. You see it in churches. Oftentimes churches splitting over the church budget uh, or the color of the carpet or things like that. That actually happens. You see it in Black Friday shoppers literally fighting over TVs and uh, craziness you see on Black Friday. I mean, yes, we'll watch the videos and, and give those views, but it's, it's a terrible thing. On and on it could go. What are all these scenarios, the funny ones this year, what do they all show? It shouldn't shock us, but most of these situations that I'm talking about, especially the serious ones, and it's the subject of the message today, what we're going to focus on, it's about money. It's about money. Most people struggle with giving. Just it. It's in our human nature. 
We struggle with giving. People are not instinctively generous. I'm not saying there's not generous people out there that people are willing to give, but in our human nature, it, it goes against our nature to be generous. People can and will be selfish. I can and have been and will be selfish. People think what they want, what they want is more important than what others want. People believe that their needs are greater than the needs of others. That's just the world we live in today, whether you're a Christian or whether you don't know Christ at all, we are at our core very selfish people. Sin causes us to live for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5, the scriptures say this, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves or live for themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This verse shows us that sin causes us to live for ourselves. Okay? Sin causes you to live for yourself. And because of that truth, we will often struggle. Whether you're young or old, we will often struggle with an obsessive self-focus over money. When it comes to income, we tend to think first of ourselves. What we need, what we want, what dream of ours that our money can buy or for our family. We think about those things first before we think, before we ever think of how we can be generous with that money. It's not that we're never generous or giving. I'm not saying that. But we need to honestly take a look at ourselves this morning and realize that because of our sinful hearts, because of our fickle hearts, there is a struggle between what God intends for our money, what we say we believe about God, and how we respond with those truths. So here's what we're going to think about today, okay? And I told you, don't get cynical on me. The pastor's talking about money. This is important stuff. This is going to be Bible stuff. I think it's going to go a different direction than you think. When it comes to the, because it's not going to be, hey, give your money to me. It's not going to be that at all. When it comes to the connection between the money in our possession, the money that we make from our jobs, that we come into contact with, the money that we save, the money that we spend, the money that we acquire, when it comes to the connection between the money in our possession and God's plan for that money, could maybe our thought process, just maybe our thought process, be flawed, be faulty, or in some cases be completely wrong? For me personally, and probably all of us, I have always considered my income, the money I make from, I work a secular job at Latham Centers in Brewster. Um, where I don't make any money from the church right now. We're a church plant. We're growing. Um, so every money that comes in through the offerings goes right back into paying the bills for this place. But for me personally, and, and all of us, our income that we get from our jobs, uh, we've always considered it, I've always considered my income. You know, the money that comes into my possession by the way of a job. And, and that money that's, that, that comes in as my income is God's way of me, God's main source of providing for me and my family. And then after I do all that stuff for me and my family, it's like, oh yeah, I should give with this money. I should find something to do to, to help somebody else. And it's kind of like that afterthought. After I take care of all my stuff with my income, then it's like, oh, what else can I do? But what if I haven't flipped? What if the Bible teaches us the opposite? That the main purpose of my money, of my income, of the funds that I receive from the job that I work is to be a blessed participant in God's master plan of generous giving. And then the afterthought of, he also uses that to provide for my family. You see, we, we get into our heads oftentimes that, like, that God just can't take care of us. 
And we would never say those words. God doesn't take care of us because we sing about Jireh and he's the God who provides. And, but, but the way we live and the way we spend and the way we do things, it really, giving to others is an afterthought oftentimes. And we'll justify it. We'll buy the guy's coffee behind us in the Starbucks line. But I'm talking about generous giving. When we look at the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to go there and the scriptures will be on the screen in just a moment. We're reminded that our financial and material burdens in this fallen world belong to God, our Father. The financial needs and the material burdens that we will face in this broken and fallen world, which, by the way, inflation's at an all-time high. I know that the housing market's a mess. I understand that financially the country seems like everything's... I mean, weren't, weren't eggs like eight bucks a few, like a year ago? Like, it's, it's craziness. I understand all that. But the Bible says in Matthew 6, we're going to look at it, that our financial needs, our, our material burdens are in the hand of God. And Jesus teaches us in this passage that financial peace... Financial sanity, it starts with believing and remembering that we have a heavenly Father who will supply, who will take care of, who will not leave us, who knows our needs, and who gives us what we need. Let's look at the scriptures first, right here. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can go there, the scriptures are on the screen. We're going to kind of go verse by verse and break it down. It says in verse 19, Jesus is speaking, by the way. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Immediately Jesus reminds us, we're reminded and challenged not to focus our time, our energy, on our finances, on building up and storing up and creating this collection of material things in our lives that are more important than they should be and one day are just going to collect dust and be eternal uses. And by the way, I'm not preaching this message as someone who has got this figured out because I have um, I'm an impulse shopper too okay I am look at my closet I love collecting things when I Joel know you, you know this when I when I start liking something I go hard on it man I'm like oh I got to get everything that this has I remember when I I started watching the Patriots not when I was a kid but when I was an adult and Joel was we were living in Michigan and Joel was coming back from college in Indiana and stayed with us for for I think for Thanksgiving and and I can't remember what time of the year but it was playoffs and this is when the Patriots were actually good. Remember that when the Patriots were actually good? They were great. And they were playing the Ravens. And Joel said, hey, can I watch the playoff game? I'm like, yeah, dude, sure. I'd never watched a football game in my life. I'm a New Englander. And I'm like, sure, man. So we start watching the, the, the Patriots play the Ravens. And I sat with him and watched it in, in our little living room in Jackson. And I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Who is this number 12? Who is this Tom Brady? Wow, he's like an angel. I love this guy. I named my son after him. Goodness gracious me. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then we watched the next game. And that was the year that they beat the Seahawks. Remember that Malcolm Butler interception? Oh my goodness. I'm in the spirit right now thinking about it. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And guess what? I fell in love with the Patriots. And guess what else? I started buying everything I could. I had all the jerseys. I had the, the hood. I decorated my entire church office in Patriots gear. And I just boom, 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 boom. And I began, and guess what? I don't wear any of that stuff anymore <laughs> at all. I, I, don't, I don't even know. I think I maybe sold some. I gave some to my son. And I, I'm just letting you know that I'm guilty of this as well. I'm, I'm that kind of person that goes hard. But the scriptures do, Jesus does warn us, like, hey, like, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, like, there's more important things than this. Verse 20, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, where your money is, where, where, where your finances are, there will your heart be also. Jesus tells us that we must, as the scriptures say in Colossians, set our affection on things above. Set our love, uh, our, our focus, our, our time, our energy, our finances to, to, to things, causes, needs, others, to things that eternally matter. He says, set your affection on things above. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where, where, where moth and rust, it's not going to fade away. Everything that I own right now, one day is going to end up in the junkyard. It's just the way it is. It may take 50, 60, 100 years when I'm dead and gone. All the things that I have, all the Patriots gear that I bought, I have this, you ever seen me wear those like Mickey shirts? Mercy always has those, those Mickey shirts. I love those shirts. I have a lot of them. I probably have too many of them because I like them. They're comfortable. And guess what? One day those things are probably going to end up, they are going to end up in the, you know, remember on Toy Story 3 when they're all burning in the fire at the end? That's where my stuff's going to end up. It's all going to be gone. What is most important to us is what gained possession of our hearts and usually our wallets, whether we realize it or not. What is most important to us is what gains possession of our hearts and our wallets, whether we realize it or not. Verse 22, Jesus continues to say, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying here in verse 22, that if your eye, physically, if your eye is bad, you got blurred vision or whatever, no light can come in if you're blind, and you're stuck with darkness because of that physical problem. And he uses that kind of as an illustration of how much worse it is when the problem is not just broken and impaired physical vision, but a deep corruption of the spiritual eye, of our hearts, of our spiritual nature, so that the darkness actually stems from within and affects our whole being and how we look at life and how we look at people and how we look at other people's needs. Jesus says that a superficial, earthly, plastic religion as opposed to a total devotion and relationship to God is what leaves our, heart, our hearts dark. Prideful, stingy, and selfish. That plastic religion that we often all can fall into that I know that I lived in for a long time and still have to fight against with the grace of Jesus. Verse 24 Jesus goes on to say, no man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money, finances. You can't serve both. You can't. The scriptures say that the love of money is the, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. You're either devoted to God and his plan, or you're devoted to you and your plan. Let that sink in for just a minute. I'm going to say it again because I know it hurts, but it's important for me to hear coming out of my mouth too. You're either devoted to God and his plan or you're devoted to you and your plan. And money has everything to do with it. Jesus spends the next few years, the next few verses rather, reminding us who is in control of our circumstances, who is in control of our provisions, and who is in control of our needs. Look what the scriptures say. We'll read a bunch right here, but I want you just to listen to what Jesus says. After he says, you can't serve God and money. Therefore, because you can't serve God and money, because you need to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not store up a bunch of things here on earth, because of that, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. 
what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, that, that you know, sustenance that we need to, to live, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? How many of you can get taller just by, just by uh, thinking about it? No, we can't. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye, of little faith? Remember the song we sing? Uh, how much more does he love you? We sing Jira, the song Jira. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? Taken from this scriptures. Therefore, take no thought, saying, the next scriptures here, wherefore, uh, where am I, where am I, where am I? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly Father... Knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought to the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. More than anything else, more than anything else, Jesus says to put God's work first and do what he wants, and the other things will be yours as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God takes care of us. I'm living proof of that. I've told you stories. That you, you walked, many of you walked that journey with our housing situation. And together, we saw God make a way, didn't we? We saw God make a way. We saw God make a way for a coastline. When we were without a building, when we had to leave this building, when we were fixing it up and had nowhere to go, we were on the back porch, remember that? From some of you there on the back porch with us, those cold October days two years ago. And guess what God provided? We have seen God do it. God promises to provide everything that we need, and we see it throughout Scripture. Philippians 4. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Matthew 7. If ye then, being evil, know how, good, how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Luke chapter 12. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Job 38, who provideth for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of me. Psalm 34, uh, uh, 34 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. You'll never go without. So because God has taken the burden of physical provision from our weak and feeble hands and into his capable hands, we're free to have a grander vision for our money. Okay, think about that, church. God says in his word, he says it in the word, the living word of God, that he will take care of our physical needs. He just he promised he would. He will supply our needs. We will not go without. I'm not saying that we're going to be rich, by the way. I'm not saying that everything that you think you need, you will have. I'm just saying that because God knows best, he promises us that what we truly need, we will have. It does take some, some, mind, some mindset changing 
to where what we think we need, we have to realize, well, ultimately, I don't need that. I want that. I want to have a full bank account. I want to feel comfortable in my finances. Yes, I do. I want that. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be comfortable in my finances. I would love to have money, a bunch of money in savings so that if emergency came up, I could take care of something. On and on it could go. I want those things, but the truth is, I don't need that. I just, I really want it. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel safer. As a, as a provider in my family, yes, I want to provide for my wife and four children. I want to provide for them. I want to always take care of them. And guess what? Even though I've never had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in savings, I have always been able to take care of my family because of the grace of God. Have our lights got shut off before? Not here on the Cape, but they did when I was in Michigan. But guess what? We were fine. We made it. Did, did our, were our cupboards ever a little more barren than normal? Sure they were, but guess what? We, never, we didn't starve. We had food. Has my rent ever been late? Yeah, there have been times when it's been really tight, but God is always always taking care of us he promised he would he took he took the burden away we have to realize that you see god has taken the burden away the burden the stress the anxiety of physical earthly provision of those physical needs that we have he's taken it out of our weak and feeble hands and into his strong capable hands because of that truth that god promised he would take care of those physical needs we're free, we are called to have a bigger, broader, grander version for our money. In Ephesians 4, 28 really shines this new godly way of thinking about money. It says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Notice that the scripture, the verse doesn't say, let him that stole steal no more, rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good, so that he will have a more legal way to provide for himself. It doesn't say that. The self-centered thief in this passage, the one that's stealing, it's not supposed to be a self-centered thief. He's not meant to become a self-centered worker. But the scripture says, let him that stole steal no more, but let him work for his hands, work for that money. So why? Why? So that he can give to him that needeth. This means, listen, if, if, the, if the thief doesn't steal anymore but still only focuses on himself, the self-centered thief is now just a self-centered worker. He, he would have only changed the method of accumulating wealth for himself, not the motive. The shift in Ephesians 4 in this scripture that we see is from self-focused, stealing for himself, to God-honoring and others-focused, working and then giving back. This is the tough, against-the-grain, life-changing truth about money. And here's it is. The miraculous, heart-changing grace of God is powerful enough to change, to transform how we view and interact with money at the very core of who we are. I know that this... These messages are a lot harder to preach than the ones like, don't ever give up. God's got you. He's going to take care of you. This is a lot harder to preach. It's not as fun, to be honest. But it's Bible, and it's important, and you need to hear it. And I need to hear it. God's master plan is to set us free from the common natural thinking of money as only something that we accumulate and replace it with a Christ-like attitude of radical generosity. I'm going to read that again, and I want you to really... Either write it down or hone it in, take a picture of it, I don't care. But let's, let's remember this main thought of kind of the message. God's master plan is to set us free 
from the common natural thinking of money as only something that we accumulate, that we can store up, that we can build up and save up, but replacing it with a Christ-like attitude of radical generosity. For the most part, church, we live by our own desires, and by, our own, by our own beliefs and our own theology about money. Without God's rescuing grace, which is, that's, that's at the root of every next level message that's been preached for the last year. It's all about God's grace changing us, transforming us. Without God's rescuing grace, our constant chase and pursuit after money will be utterly dominated by self-focus. What I want. And we'll try to somehow squeeze God into that plan as an afterthought. But our main focus will be, what can I do with the money that I make? I'm the one working for it. I'm the one that's, that's working the hours and working the overtime. I should be able to do with it what I want. When it really is God who has given you that job, who has given you that strength to work that job, that has blessed you in that job. And after we do all the things that we want to do, it's like, well, now what can I do with this little bit extra that I have for God? The typical Christian discussion of money usually revolves around how to get out of debt, how to have financial stability for retirement, what exactly defines a tithe. And none of those things are wrong, by the way, at all. They're helpful, they're important to consider. But all of those things are lacking something so incredibly important. And what is it? It's lacking the call that we're given by God. The call for us to live in this fallen and broken world as loving, generous ambassadors for God. We represent Christ. When it comes to our finances, God calls us to stop starting with ourselves and hoping there's money left over for Him. Instead, the call to willingly and joyfully accept that your money, that my money's primary purpose is to fund a kingdom of generosity in worship and service to Him. It's a way we can worship God is by giving back. Is by giving, and not just, yes, giving our time, giving our heart, giving our love. All that is important. It's a whole different message. I'm talking today about this wonderful subject of money. It's about giving. And then trusting that God will provide what we need. And by the way, the Bible isn't calling us to stop paying bills either. I'm not saying that and, and stop buying groceries and clothing. The Bible doesn't say that. You know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a whole lot more that we do with our money when we really just don't think about God. Instead, it's a call to examine our heart, which our heart is what controls our financial lives and make sure we have the order right. That's it, church. So today, rest in the rescuing grace of God, grace that liberates us, that frees us from bondage to us. Church, I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling you. Marissa, I know she'll speak to this as well. The times in our lives when we have, as a family, tried to give back maybe a little bit more than we normally would. There were times in Michigan as youth pastors that we had teenagers that had, to live, they had nowhere to go. They were kicked out of their home. Sometimes the courts had to order them for safety reasons out of their home. They had nowhere to go. And we said, well, listen, we got, the kids were so young, we didn't even have all of them at the time. And we had teenagers living with us. And guess what? I wasn't making nothing at that job as a youth pastor. I was not making anything. We didn't have a lot. But I'll say this, church. When those teenagers were living with us, I think on two, two different occasions, two separate times, one time there was a young lady who had, who had a child. She had, she had been uh, raped as a teenager and had gotten pregnant, had the baby, and it was just a horrible story. She had nowhere to go. And she lived with us for a few months, her and her daughter. And 
We didn't have any money barely for ourselves to make it. But those times when we said, well, God, we're just going to trust you. I'm telling you, I don't think we struggled one time. I don't think there was one week that went by where we were like, oh, how are we going to make it? Teenagers eat a lot, man. They just do. They just do. My kids are, eat a lot now, and they're only young. Man, I remember the grocery bills just seemed, but, but we always, always had enough. There was never a worry. And I look back on those moments, and I'm like, God was taking care of us. I look back at my 40 years here so far, living on Cape. It's expensive to live here, isn't it? You guys know that. And, and watching God provide for our family. Just recently, I remember I was, we had all these extra bills that came up and some car troubles and all these different things were happening. And I, was, I knew at the end of the month, I'm like, we're short on rent this month. We're like really short on rent this month. And most of the time, I will stress out like a maniac and I'll take it out of my family like a big jerk. And I'm like, and I'm just, oh, I'm just hard to be around when I'm stressed. And this, for some reason, this time, I actually was, had some peace. I'm like, well, God, I remember dropping the kids off at school. It was near the end of the month. And I'm like, I got in the car, dropped the kids off. And I'm like, hey, rent's due tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm like a, a pretty decent amount short. And I'm going to get in the car and say, well, God, you know what we're doing. You know I haven't been stupid with my money. I've been trying. I've been paying bills. We've been doing this. Obviously, we're, we're giving back to the church. And, 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 and Lord, you know I'm working full-time. Marissa's working full-time. We're doing our best. Uh, God, you just got to take care of this because I don't know what to do. You know, if I have to reach out to my landlord. And I, I didn't really know. I'm just like, God, whatever. Like, you got to take care of it. I trust you. I trust you. And I went and checked the P.O. box where we get our mail. And I pulled out a check. And I'm telling you, church, it was the most unexpected check for the exact amount of money that we needed and i remember sitting there in the p.o box i usually just like you know throw the garbage away all the junk mail and i stood there and i'm like i started crying right there in the post office i'm like god did it he did it in like three minutes this is incredible it's the fastest answer prayer i've ever had this is awesome and i remember just walking out to the car with tears in my eyes blurred vision at it and i'm just like he did it he did it Look what he did. Like, he proved himself time after time after time after time, increasing our faith. Listen, I'm, ooh, this is hard to say, but I'm glad for the financial struggles that we have faced because guess what? It gives me an opportunity to see the miracles of God in my life. If everything was great, if everything was perfect, if I had all the money in the world, I would never have to see God come through in a big way. I'd already be taken care of. So when I do struggle, when there is struggles, and then I get to watch God do it. Get to watch God do it. And it makes me want to give even more, give back, because I'm like, God's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us, and he's going to take care of you. When we stop living for ourselves, God will also free our wallets, our finances, from their bondage to self-focus. And it gives us the freedom to show the love of Jesus, to show the love of Jesus with the money that he has put into our possession. And there's a way you can show love, not just in... Words and actions, although those are so vitally important as well, but it is in our giving. So this week, ask yourself, today, this morning, as we have time of invitation, ask yourself how you view the money that you acquire. Ask, I say, God, how am I viewing my income? How do I view the money that comes in my position? How am I viewing it? Find someone you can give to this week. Find someone you can give to. Ask, I say, God, lead me to someone who I can give back to. And don't allow your money situation to control your spirit. I do that so often. Don't allow your money situation to control your spirit. Christ is enough. Grace is enough. So let's, as a church, as individuals, practice next level giving. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Now let's open our mouth. 
Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.